First day in. Reporting live. First day out. First day Reporting out. Live. Not in. First day Reporting out. Live. Auburn Tigers. This is the first day of spring practice. Cut. And we're back. Another edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Definitely an exciting episode to bring to you guys today because we are officially kicking off the Brian Harson era in terms of what you do on the football field because spring practices start today. That little intro you heard was uh, Jalen Simpson, the Auburn cornerback, um, in a video posted by Auburn. Thought I would throw that one in there. I thought that was pretty funny um, yesterday. But yeah, spring practices kicked off on Monday. We got a chance to talk to Brian Harson for about half an hour or 40 minutes, something like that. And so um, you know, pr- practices are closed off right now to the media which is a bit unfortunate, um, but obviously want to keep everybody safe and do whatever Auburn thinks is the best to keep everybody safe. Hopefully that'll be uh, improved. That situation will be improved by the time fall camp rolls around, but we're still going to do our best to bring you guys all the information that we can and the best coverage that we can of spring practice. And that's going to include a twice a week podcast. We'll do one at the beginning of the week, jumping in and talking about what we learned at the beginning of the week, and then sort of an overview when we get to the end of the week and, preview going into the next week so definitely exciting and exciting next month coming up um for everybody every auburn fan and just college football fans in general because we sure aren't taking spring practice for granted anymore i mean after not getting it last year i mean i never i think a lot of people never did a lot of people were always excited about spring practices the return of football after basketball season and but now it just kind of is a little bit more special so uh we talked about that a little bit today with jason caldwell from Auburn undercover inside the Auburn Tigers. And I will get into that conversation with him right now. So now let's go talk to Jason. And now we've got Mr. Jason Caldwell coming on the podcast. And Jason, um, when they built the staff and putting the staff together, everybody sort of had the things that they were excited about and most looking forward to and interested to see. Um, But one of yours throughout has been Derek Mason and how he's going to use this defensive front. You've written about him a lot. And finally today, Spring practices opened at Auburn, and we got a chance to talk to Brian Harson a little bit more about what Mason's defenses are going to look like. Obviously, it'll make a little bit more sense once we can see things and talk to Derek Mason, but we got, I think we got some answers, and then we also are still in the dark a little bit, but kind of what did you learn about Derek Mason and what he's going to do at Auburn? And it kind of seems like some of these defensive line guys are maybe changing up just in terms of their bodies and, and the kind of contributions they're going to have, just kind of what were your takeaways in terms of that aspect of things today? Yeah, I think, you know, probably the biggest thing that you look at right away is, is kind of the way the, the roster is situated. Um, you've got a lot of tackles. You got um, a few ends and a few, what they're calling edge, which are basically similar to what Auburn had those buck linebacker kind of guys before. They're just a little different name, but you look at it, you look and, and mostly tackles, um, only a few ends, Colby Wooden being one of those. But, you know, you look at Zacchaeus Walker's guys listed as a tackle. And so it, it, it does make me think that it's going to be more of a 3-4 look uh, in terms of base because when you think about it, I think Colby Wooden is an end. You kind of have an end, a nose, and a tackle. Um, at least that's the way it's situated anyway. So you start thinking about, you know, guys like Tyrone Truesdale, um, you know, Jeremiah Wright, those guys in the middle, the bigger bodies, you know, guys like Marquise Burks, uh, those kind of guys that are bigger bodies. Then you look at, you know, more of the tackle spot. You're kind of a guy that 
almost similar like a Marlon Davidson. That's kind of what you're looking for, even that end in the 3-4, where you look at a guy that has some some guys, some length, some rings that can get upfield and, and create some pass rush, but also big enough to take on the tackle or a double team in a run game. So think about a, a Dre Butler, uh, who's, who's around 300 pounds. I think about a newcomer like Lee Hunter, who's 320, um, but has is, is slimmed down some. I, you know, I talked to his high school coach that he's down about 15 pounds from where he was uh, when he got here, which is good news for Auburn. But you, know, you think about Zykevis Walker, who's up from 266 now to, to a little over 280, which is a big deal for him. So I think about the possibilities there. And then you look at that edge position, um, you know, which, which kind of be a walk-up 3-4 uh, outside linebacker, a guy that can rush. And you look at a 251-pound Derek Hall to me, him and Jaron Handy, um, look at those two guys, T.D. Moultrie and then Romello Height. Those are interesting names. And so I think when you think about the way the roster is kind of listed a little bit, it, it kind of looks to me towards more of a 3-4 look for this defense. Yeah, Derek Hall, I mean, he's probably packed on a good bit every year that he's been here. He seems like he was kind of that slender edge rusher. Um, now he's got a frame that pretty much resembles Jaron Handy. Those two are kind of interchangeable in terms of the way they look. Um, I think uh, T.D. Moultrie is on the roster as an edge. He usher, is. Right? And you were, you were the one who initially reported about him not only staying, but dropping back and, and, and moving to a traditional linebacker spot. So I guess that move, putting him at, like you said, they're now differentiating, putting him at that edge spot probably doesn't surprise you much about Moultrie. No, it, it doesn't. And, and I think it's going to be a, a position to where a little bit different from the buck. We didn't see the buck, you know, off the line of scrimmage very much. I think in this situation, you could have a guy that could be off the line of scrimmage. We saw, you know, Auburn used that a little bit against Mississippi State at the end of the year with that passing attack. We saw Derek Hall playing more of a linebacker at times. We saw some of those things. I think you could see that from this edge group at times, um, depending on how they want to line up. But but you're right. They're going to be moving guys all over. That's part of what spring is about, especially with a new coaching staff. So, there, they, you know, there's a lot, a lot of different possibilities, a lot of different guys that could play some different roles for this defensive front. Um, and that's the good news for a guy like Nick Eason. He's going to have some guys to work with and to, to see where they fit. Yeah, one of those guys – I mean, like you talked – it seems like this is – I mean, it fits pretty well with bringing in a versatile scheme. You've got so many versatile guys who can play so many different positions. Um, like you said, I think Zakevius Walker, I mean, 289, he is definitely a true inside guy now. I mean, but he can still kick out and, and play a defensive end spot because that's kind of where he – I guess he had some of his training um, – Looking at this roster, there's the official roster was announced today and um, some weight changes that you and I agreed that some of them may not be um, ent- entirely telling of the way that things were just because last year was so weird. Um, but there are a few guys on here that that you and I talked about earlier that we think that some of these numbers are really big for them. Um, I wanted to start with Smoke Monday being a guy that he was listed in the 190s last season. I I. I'm not sure how accurate that yeah. is, but the fact that he's at 199, again, just a guy who is pushing 200 um, to be that veteran at safety. Who are some other guys who who stuck out to you in, today in terms of the measurements and uh, and just how big do you think that is for Monday? Yeah, I think it's huge for Smoke because, you know, he's a guy that has the frame to carry that. And, you know, last year is one that, you know, I think about a guy like Tyrone Truesdale. Tyrone Truesdale, he, he's listed about, you know, 330 or so. I mean, he could have been 345 last year because right. the COVID situation is much different. Um, and I've, I've seen this throughout, you know, 20-plus years of doing this throughout my life 
uh, of living as a bigger guy. When you miss those workouts, when you miss the training table, when you miss those things, normally things go one of two ways. Guys that have trouble gaining weight, normally they, they lose weight and are back down. A guy like Smoke Monday, for instance. Yeah. Guys like, you know, Tyrone Truesdale, others who needed that. Um, it happened to Lee Hunter, um, you know, in, in the high school ranks. Guys that needed that, that structure, needed those things. Normally they'll gain some weight and it'll be a little bit bigger. So I think you kind of meet us somewhere in the middle for this one. Um, but I think Smoke, uh, Zacoby McLean, you can see as another guy to me that's added weight the right way. Um, he didn't come in and, and add 15, 20 pounds, you know, that first year. It's been a gradual process, just like it's been for Owen Capo. To, for those guys to be 226 and what, 219 or so, um, I think that's good weight for them. I think they're plenty physical enough to play inside at that. Uh, and so, to me, that, that's two um, that I look at. And then on the offensive line, to me, Brendan Coffey, uh, Killing Zaire, uh, those two guys at pushing 300 pounds at offensive tackle. Um, people wondered, are they going to be physical enough? They should They should have that physicality now. Now we'll see if they're athletic and agile enough to play, you know, outside of tackling the SEC. I think that's the big question mark now. We're still, I mean, we're recording this on the first day, so and we haven't even seen any footage of practice yet, so obviously still don't know a lot. We'll record another one later in the week, but just getting to talk to Brian Harson today, I think, again, we talked to him for over half an hour like we have um, every time, a lot of information. Uh, now that things are here, or that you know, we finally moved into spring ball officially, um, I guess what are you most going to be looking forward to and, and what are you, you kind of going to have your eyes on the most maybe other than the trenches, because I think those are kind of yeah. – everyone's going to be focused on what Mason's doing. And then the offensive line has been the thing for Auburn the past four spring practices, I think. So besides that, what, what are you going to kind of have your eyes on in terms of what we're going to be able to see from this team? Uh, I think now, uh, for me, it's going to be the wide receiver group. You know, Shedrick Jackson, the only real veteran of the group, and he's not out there this spring. Uh, yeah. So that's a lot of youth, a lot of young guys that are going to get a ton of reps. And those guys are going to get eyeballs on them. They're going to have a chance to really mature. I think in the end, it's probably going to be big for this team. Um, Shedrick needs the reps in the new offense. But I think when you think about, you know, the guys like Elijah Canyon, you think about Kobe Hudson, think about, you know, a guy like J.J. Evans, um, you know, Malcolm Johnson is a guy that, that, you know, should still be in high school and graduate. Those are guys that are going to have a, a huge opportunity in the spring to really take some steps forward to, to gel in this offense, to get all those first-team reps. Um, that's massive. And so, to me, you know, those guys watching them develop and step up at wide receiver and getting those reps, uh, I think is going to be really valuable for them come fall. Yeah, we don't know why. I don't think we have an exact pinpoint on the reason why, but Shedrick Jackson will be out. And then Capers, he'll either be out. Xavion Capers, who had the foot injury in the bowl yep. game. Um, he'll either be out or limited for camp. Brian Harson said Evans is a guy he put on 14 pounds. Apparently. Yeah, he's, he now um, looks like a hybrid tight end. He, he, yeah. He's a big body kid. He's always mm. been a big body kid. But you look at him at what 224 now. Um, you look at Elijah Canyon at, at 214, 215. Kobe Hudson around 200 pounds. And a guy that when you saw some of those workout videos, you saw Kobe Hudson work. And he's a guy that's always been an athlete. Um, be able to do anything, but you watch him develop and work in that weight room. And he's a guy that I've always compared him to Ben Obamani. That's who he reminds me of watching him play. Ben was a guy that was, that was really physical. Kobe Hudson, he's, he's doing that in the weight room. If he, if he transitions that to the field, he's a guy that could be really, really valuable for this offense. Yeah. He's probably 
I mean, Canyon did that thing, did what he did in the last game, but Hudson was the guy with capers where they were kind of in the offense the most last season. Yeah, I agree. I didn't even think about that. The fact that Jackson is really the only veteran of that group out now. So yeah, certainly interesting to watch. We'll hopefully get some practice footage later this week and we'll have another podcast on that later this week. Jason, appreciate you joining the show as always. And we're going to get to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we were talking a little bit about the footage and how, you know, obviously practices are closed off this year because of COVID. Maybe that will change in fall camp. We're all hoping that does that, you know, media being able to go to practice. But we actually were able to get some footage yesterday. Auburn sent it out um, to reporters and put it online. So that was pretty exciting. And it was only, I think it was about 45 seconds. That's where I got the Jalen Simpson uh, audio from, but only about 45 seconds or so. But uh Still, I mean, it's 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 exactly the same as I was talking about in winter workouts. And it seems like practice is going to be the same as it was um, in workouts. And that's that Brian Harson wants to be really involved. He wants to be right there. He wants to be, um, you know, at the forefront of all the drills. He wants to be really involved in the drills. I tweeted out a video of it. Go check it out on Twitter. Um yeah, I mean, again, I've said it a million times talking about the culture change between Brian Harson and Gus Malzahn. He seems like just so much more of an involved coach in that aspect of things. Um, Gus Malzahn, again, a little bit more, especially once he stopped calling plays, a little bit more of a, a CEO at practice, kind of taking a back seat and observing things and sort of uh, barking orders from afar again. Not saying that's better or worse or in Brian Harson's approach, not better or worse. I know a lot of Auburn fans think it's refreshing and they're happy that he is approaching things this way. But the only thing that matters is the wins and losses on the field. So I, I definitely agree that it is um, new and it's fresh and it's something that a lot of Auburn fans thought the program definitely needed in terms of a culture shift and that it might be good for the team and it might be good for the players to kind of develop a little bit more of a tougher attitude, you know, um, kind of a get tough and um, definitely a little bit more of a gritty and kind of a blue collar attitude. Not again, not that they they weren't that under Gus Malzahn, but Brian Harson just seems to emit that um, in everything that he does. And so that seems to be the case for practice as well. Um, hopefully we get those after every single practice because again, it's closed off right now. Normally we would be going to a couple practices a week. There is, a day that I know a lot of us are really excited for um, just reporters and media. Um, there's a next week, a Jordan hair stadium practice viewing window. We'll go. And I think we're just going to kind of space out in the stadium in the seats and be able to go and look at uh, and watch, I think 15, 20 minutes of a practice and be able to take that in and observe that. So that'll be really exciting as well. So Definitely, uh, definitely something to be on the lookout for. But I just thought that was interesting about Harson, And, you know, it seems exactly the same as he was in winter workouts. He really just kind of seems like the same guy getting up in the middle of things, you know, doing as much directing and um, being in the middle of drills 
as possible. Definitely go check out um, our story on the website about the weight changes. I, I mean, a lot of that is probably pretty trivial. I mean, guys gain weight as they and, and lose weight and they, you know, um, kind of mold their bodies in terms of what the strength staff wants to do over the course of a college career. I mean, that just happens. That's that's college football. That's college athletics. But in terms of guys like I mean, the biggest one was Caleb Johnson, the defensive end who last year was only a buck pass rusher. You know, that that specific outside linebacker pass rusher spot. Um, he was 248 pounds last year. And so it's just interesting to see the types of changes that the new staff wants because he's up 28 pounds all the way to 276 pounds. And now he's listed on the roster as a defensive end and not um, a buck because well, not only does the buck pass rusher position not exist anymore. Now it's edge rusher, but you can tell the new staff wants him at that defensive end spot. Similarly, we were talking about Zakivis Walker, who, by the way, I think can be one of the best players on this defensive line. People forget he was the highest rated prospect in that 2020 class, other than Tank Bigsby, the highest rated prospect on defense in that class. He was a four-star defensive lineman from Georgia. He's up 23 pounds, 266 to 289, and is no longer listed as a defensive end. Now he's listed entirely as a defensive tackle, um, just kind of going to show what they want out of him. Same thing for Jay Hardy. Um, the four-star defensive end from last year, he did not play much as a freshman. I don't think he actually played at all. He may have played against LSU because everybody kind of checked in in that LSU game, but I don't know if he was entirely healthy at that point. Anyway, he's no longer listed as an end either. He's up from 299 pounds all the way to 317. He put on 18 pounds, um, and so now he's listed as a defensive tackle as well. The one that I'm kind of excited about that we talked a little bit about with Jason was Derek Hall. Um, all the way up to 251 pounds. Again, that's a guy like Jason talked about. This is going to be such a versatile linebacker group because you've got the edge rushers like Derek Hall. You've got outside linebackers and you've got in, inside linebackers who are going to be your standard, you know, Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean. But really, there's a lot of versatility on this Auburn defense, on the defensive front period, um, just in the front seven. I mean, on the D-line and in the linebacking core. I guess front seven, you know, what, whatever those numbers kind of look like as Derek Mason mixes and matches those groups. So we did get some answers, but really it was just that all, it was really all that Brian Harson wanted to talk about. You know, it was, it just depended on how much he wanted to kind of go into things, which he enjoys talking ball. You know, he wants to kind of dive into things and he enjoys talking scheme, but really, I mean, I'm kind of excited for that viewing period because I think once we can kind of, glean some information with our own eyeballs and figure out what Derek Mason likes to do. I do agree with Jason though, that, um, you know, it seems like they're kind of leaning toward that three, four and all the personnel he's starting to put together right now definitely resembles a three, four in, in terms of anything else from, again, this is the first day of practice recording this on Monday afternoon, get it posted on Tuesday morning. We did, however, finally get um, all the contracts back from Auburn after obviously filing for those and trying to get them back. We got them all back <laughs> today, all 12 of them, Brian Harson, um, the 10 on field assistant coaches, and then the strength coach, Jeff Pittman. And so the biggest news is obviously Harson's contract, which is if you haven't seen is for six years and 31 and a half million dollars that comes out to an average of about 5.25 um, million per year. 
the incentive structure is uh, it's pretty basic. You know, he gets an extra two hundred fifty thousand for winning an SEC title, two hundred thousand for making a New Year's Six Bowl, three hundred thousand for making the college football playoff. He'll get an additional eight hundred k if Auburn wins a national title. A lot of people obviously were interested to know about the buyout because that was a hot topic with Gus Malzahn's contract, and it led to Auburn paying $21.5 million to Gus after he was fired. But Harson's contract is very similar. Um, his buyout will always be worth 70% of his remaining deal. So whenever or if, if Auburn chooses you know, to pull the plug at some point, they will owe him 70% of his remaining contract. Same thing with Gus, where it's due in the first 30 days. Um, and there's no mitigation. Again, that was something that a lot of people were um, upset about with Gus Malzahn's contract. Obviously, it turned out costing Auburn in the end, but there is no mitigation again, meaning that the next job for Brian Harson, if Auburn does fire him at some point, his next job will not offset any of the payments that Auburn owes because if that had been the case in Gus Malzahn's contract, his UCF salary, which was pretty substantial, um, would have offset things and, and made Auburn have to pay less money. But that's not going to be the case for Brian Harson either. Um, big, big pay raise for him. Uh, last year at Boise State, he made $1.85 million, as opposed to Gus Malzahn made $6.9 million as Auburn's head coach last year. So Harson making more than he did at Boise State, but making less than Gus did, obviously, after his contract extension. But Harson's making more than Gus did in his first contract in 2013. Um, Gus Malzahn signed a five-year contract that was worth $2.3 million per year. So in terms of an annual salary and in terms of a, a total contract, Harson. Harson's is a little bit, uh, a little bit better, a little bit more lucrative. And so, yeah, we finally got that back. I mean, it's not that any of that really matters too much. Uh, it just, we filed for those a while ago. And so we got all the assistant contracts back too. And in total, Auburn is paying this assistant staff, including Jeff Pittman, including the strength coach, who's obviously not one of the 10 um, assistant coaches, but it's still a big deal. They're still paying him a lot. Um, they're paying him $6.84 million, that entire staff, um, in terms of their salaries this year. The coordinators are kind of the big ones. Um, they've got Mike Bobo on a three-year deal for $3.9 million, so $1.3 million a year. Um, and Derek Mason's salary, yearly salary, is even bigger than that. They've got Derek Mason on a two-year deal for $3 million, so he'll make $1.5 million. Obviously, that seems like a lot, but again, compare that to Kevin Steele, who was working on a contract extension last year and made $2.5 million. So they're actually saving $1 million at the defensive coordinator position. But every other guy on the staff, and we won't go into it too much, but um, kind of a standard, standard salary. I will say that uh, both the line coaches, offensive line and defensive line, that's Will Friend and Nick Eason, respectively, um, are each making seven hundred dollars They're both on for two years and $1.4 million. That's... That's an upgrade over the the past the past uh, staffers at that position. Obviously, Jack McNell, the offensive line coach last season, and Rodney Garner, the defensive line coach last season, both made less than that. But everybody else, pretty standard, pretty standard stuff. Uh, Cadillac Williams, the running backs coach, is only on a one year deal right now because it was just simply a contract extension that he received. And then the lowest paid staff member um, is Cornelius Williams, the young wide receivers coach who came from Troy. He's on for two years. Um, and 600,000. So if you guys want to check out that full list of all the contract details for every Auburn assistant coach that is on our website. And then uh, we spoke a little bit about Shedrick Jackson's injury with Jason, but there are other injuries 
um, sort of an injury report, I guess, on day one. Seven guys that Brian Harson named. Uh, obviously, Shedrick Jackson expected to be out for all of camp. Brandon Council, the offensive guard, not a surprise. He obviously hurt his knee last year against Ole Miss, and we thought it was going to definitely be a while before he got back. But what was a surprise is that Harson said the thing holding him back is actually a shoulder issue. And I, I assume that occurred in winter workouts, but I mean, can't assume anything. Not 100% sure when it happened, but could have happened last season. Um, but he said he had a shoulder issue, and um, right now he's not able to get a full range of motion in that shoulder. So he's not able to be at practice right now. They expect him out for the entire, uh, you know, the majority or the entirety of spring practice, as well as Shedrick Jackson. And then um, Savion Capers, who had the foot injury in the Citrus Bowl. Um, he is in a group along with cornerback Marco Domio and nickelback slash safety Zion Puckett. Those three are kind of a, the way Harson put it out slash limited. Like, you know, they're a little bit more serious than just limited. Um, you know, they won't be able to go through a lot of stuff in spring practice, but they're not ruled out entirely. They will be able to be partial participants. And then two more guys, Amari Harvey, who is a freshman. He had an injury as a senior in high school. And so that was not a huge surprise. And then Desmond Tisdall, the young linebacker, who's a backup on the defense. Both of them are just limited. Um, Harson kind of insinuated that it's not going to be as serious as the other injuries. It's not that big of a deal. They'll just obviously be able you know, they'll be limited in some things and won't be able to participate in everything. So kind of a standard, I guess, spring practice, fall camp uh, injury list. You know, hopefully Shedrick Jackson and. Brandon Council are the only guys who are out right now. Hopefully everybody else gets to participate, but I thought I would throw that in there as well because uh, that's some pretty significant news as well. We'll have another one. We'll, we'll probably do this every week. Just kind of jump into things at the beginning of the week and um, review anything we were able to figure out. And then at the end of the week, we will review the entire week, uh, the whole body of work for the team. And so again, the team this week is going to practice on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And then they'll practice again the next week. Then Brian Harson is going to give the team an entire week off to kind of resemble spring break. Obviously, the university is not observing spring break this year. Instead, they're having the wellness days. If anybody doesn't know, Auburn is trying to get out earlier and um, just trying to adjust because they don't want everybody going home for spring break. They did the same thing for Thanksgiving, you know, they sent everybody, all the students home for Thanksgiving and then didn't bring anybody back because they didn't want everybody to go home and bring, I guess, you know, extra exposure back to campus. So they're not having spring break. Instead, they have, I think, once a week, once or twice a week. I'm out, not a student anymore, but um, or once a week or once every other week of just days that you get off um, to kind of have a break that kind of add up to a spring break. Anyway, Brian Harson wanted to give the team actually an entire week off kind of a staycation sort of thing, I guess they'll all obviously stay on camp or maybe they'll, they'll probably be able to go home, I guess, if they've got online classes and able to do that. And then they will return to practice, finish things out for another couple weeks and then culminating with a day on April 17th. Obviously, we still don't know whether that's going to allow fans. I would assume so. I know a lot of other programs, um, even in the SEC, have announced that there's going to be fan attendance. And I mean, Auburn last year at regular home games had fan attendance and things have obviously improved since then. So Maybe we'll be able to have you know even more fans in the stadium for that game. So that'll be exciting. But yeah, we'll kind of do that same thing, this this kind of same schedule every week. There really wasn't much more um, from Brian Harson on day one. That that was the only thing we were able to do is just get to chat with him in the morning um, for about half an hour and 
it was a good time, but we'll uh, we'll talk to some players on Wednesday, and then we'll talk to Brian Harson again on Thursday, and players again on Friday. So probably post the second episode of the week, something like Friday night, Saturday morning, um, with everything we learned since then. So appreciate you guys listening so much to the Auburn Undercover podcast. A little bit of a brief episode today, but again, we'll jump right back into it later in the week. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a five-star review um, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you don't like the episode and you have some suggestions or anything like that, any complaints, um, definitely shoot me a message on Twitter. My DMs are open. Shoot me a message on our message boards um, at auburnundercover.com. The music, the intro and outro music is is by Beats by Mordecai. You can find him on SoundCloud, Twitter, and Instagram, all your favorite places. Um, he does great work, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Everybody have a great week. Thank you.